Welcome to the Hear Me Media Podcast. I'm being put in a device and I'm joined by Frank. Frank, how are you doing? Hello, Leon. I am I am being contained and I do not want to be. Hmm. I have knowledge. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm trying to come up with something. It's always difficult because you always get the advantage of thinking beforehand and I wing it and usually fail. But that's the point. Uh, we have hmm. guests. We're doing something special. What are we doing today, Leon? Uh, well, I thought, you know, since we have a media podcast and uh, there's this little thing about media, like who does it belong to? Or maybe, uh, you know, what, uh, what what kind of laws and structures and devices are put around media? And I cool. thought, let's invite uh, some other people. Other people. Sound- <laughs> We're not lawyers, though. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> okay. Hello, I'm Justin. I'm a scholar communications librarian. My pronouns are he and they. I'm Sadie. I work uh, IT at a public library, and my pronouns are they, them. I'm Jay. I am a music library director, and my pronouns are he, him. And we are the Library Punk Podcast. Hooray! But y'all already know me. And Justin, too, actually. <laughs> welcome back. Or welcome no. in full. And Sadie this time as well. Hello. Definitely. Uh, Frank and I, and me then again, have been uh, have appeared on Library Punk. Uh, Jay and Justin individually have been on this podcast and also Justin on Left Page. Yes. I, <laughs> I'm very happy that I fixed my mic finally. There was this little switch at the back of my soundboard or that sound uh, little mixing panel that like made me uh, pick up all the noise and shit. And I'm really sorry Nipple for my switch. appearance. Yeah, well, there's a tiny little switch that I didn't know was there because it's on the back of the board. So I didn't know it was switched on or off. And uh, that's why all that's why my mic sounds like shit when I was on the second uh, uh, second time on La- Library Punk. So I'm really sorry for that, and thank you so much for putting up with me. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to host you guys finally here, all together. The whole crew yeah. You're having us. The what big happy podcast family, right? Yeah, <laughs> the Library Trinity uh, to here to talk about stuff. Wow, what a concept. <laughs> There was this one podcast review that called us a triumvirate of hosts. Ooh, okay. Well, I would not go that far. Uh, triumvirates, historically speaking, don't end great. So, but who would be Mark Anthony among you three? I need to know that. Gibbs on Mark Anthony. Okay. Well, hmm. That was fast, Justin. <laughs> Yeah, I want to. I want to be Caesar so I can get stabbed thirty-seven times and then be a little drama queen, be like "et tu brute," and and then then die. I do think Sadie would make a good Augustus. Yes. Yeah. One who wins. So yeah. Oh boy. (laughs) I've just got a huge ego and have to be the the one that the play is named after. You know. Yeah. Also spent a lot of time with uh, pirates but don't worry about that anyway so <laughs> we want to talk the about pirates copyright a eh? that's linked one to throw a bit about copyright and intellectual <laughs> property and all how these notions like well i actually i wanted i wanted to invite larry punk on to allow them to complain about it without having uh being burdened by being having to be professional on their own podcast so i think you guys put in a lot of effort and it's a quality podcast go check it out Yes, uh, there's is. a lot of good episodes. I can recommend, of course, our episodes. And uh, I really like the Akib episode that happened a long time ago. Cal episode about the man in the world that's Jesus or not Jesus. Pretty good. Uh, so go check that out, please. But 
since there's a lot of stuff going on uh, regarding the, once again, also regarding the strike and so forth and so on, I thought maybe it's interesting to talk about who owns what and what kind of structures are applicable to that and anything else you guys would like. So any point you guys would like to start on? Okay. So my <laughs> book report on copyright. Investopedia defines copyright <laughs> as the legal right of the owner of job. intellectual property. Sick. And what is intellectual property, Justin? No, I, can we stick on that? The legal right <laughs> of the owner of intellectual property. Is that not a circular definition? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I told you not to use Investopedia for a reason. But the thing is, that's like every... like. And this is why nobody knows what copyright is. No one does know what copyright is, and that's another thing that hmm. should should always like. Anytime anyone's talking about copyright on the internet, they're wrong. They're usually especially if they're an wrong. author. Yeah, yeah. Especially well, we can get anyone. into that if you like. Yeah, yeah. The whole Neil Gaiman bit, I suppose, is what you're referencing, or am I? Yeah, there's there's like it's a handful of like. Him, okay. No. <laughs> There's yeah. a handful of like g- good people with law degrees who you can trust to like say things that are accurate about a uh, copyright. But I mean, copyright is a specialty even in the law. Like if you go to law school, you don't study copyright. So like yeah. you've got to yeah. know someone who actually works with it. Or you can use use uh, AI, right? Last time I yeah, was you can on ask, you guys uh, chat GPT. <laughs> yeah, last time I was on uh, um, Library Punk, we talked about the this court case. Uh, that used uh, AI, I believe, or machine learning, and just fabricated fake court cases. And yeah. uh, that, that was hilarious. At least it wasn't plagiarizing for once, so that's good. Yeah, because that's the thing. AI doesn't plagiarize. Yeah. And um, so this is then very interesting. Like, how do we approach copyright? Like, maybe, potentially, if I dare to speculate maliciously, might it be the case that it is ob- that it's purposefully obtuse? Or it's I always say it's full of gray areas and the gray areas both help you and hurt you. Uh, So when it comes to getting away with like breaking copyright, you have like a whole bunch of fair use rights that are purposefully vague because then it also means you've got like plausible defense. I'm like, well, I made the assumption that I could use it for these reasons. And it really doesn't come up unless you go to court. Yeah, most of United States copyright law, other copyright law I'm not familiar with, and international copyright law is a doozy. Um, But at at least in the United States copyright law, most of the text of the United States copyright law is about how you get to break copyright law, actually. (laughs) And a lot of it is kind of vague, so that like you can apply it to multiple situations but that means that if you do get taken to court because there's no copyright police copyright is only enforced by someone going hey wait a minute and suing you um and then you're kind of at the mercy of jurors if you have them and also the judge and whatever experts are brought on if it's like related to art or music or something and so those vague gray areas if the judge is a fucking idiot will then fuck you over but then sometimes they're what helps you get around copyright law libraries in the united states could not operate without the fact that there are a lot of these gray areas in copyright law and that we have an entire section of copyright law dedicated to the except the exemptions that cultural institutions get to specifically break copyright law 
So we are clearly seeing that like yeah. the way copyrights is used functionally benefits a certain class, maybe? Who knows? <laughs> is that something? But, uh, how do we feel about that? So instead of just talking about copyright by itself, because I think that is where people trip up, uh, I wanted to bring in a lot of what actual reality of hmm. media ownership mm -hmm. and payment is like. So yes. I've been reading Cory Doctorow's Choke Point Capitalism. We're going to do an episode on it eventually. That's kind of where the reality of the situation is. People say like, oh, copyright is what allows artists to get paid. And it's like, look at the nope. music industry. Nobody owns their masters. Nobody owns the copyright to their music. It's all owned by the studios. And here's why streaming you know, is skimming its portion. And here's how this record label is skimming its portion. And, uh, you know, here's how hard it is to get out of those contracts like 35 years later, because you yeah. have the right to revert copyright in U.S. copyright law and copyright law. I mean, international copyright law is confusing, but it is also like very standardized because there's like only like one big like burn convention treaty. So everyone has roughly the same rules. Hmm. Um, it's just also gets confusing because there are other laws that will interfere, like in um, like in the EU, there you have like more human rights can come into copyright, like mm. uh, the right over your body image or whatever, like or like the right uh, to be forgotten is big and yeah, in yeah, EU. yeah. Sometimes, yeah. It's, and uh, also yeah, and like, in yeah. um in Canada and the UK, I don't know in the rest of Europe, um like for instance, Canada um, is not in Europe. I I I, I, Leon, know, I know that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in Canada and the UK, uh -huh. um, libraries will actually pay out a kind of royalty to authors based on how many times their work circulate. This is not true in the United States, but like that's also like a lot of what people have issues with with copyright law i mean copyright is bad because intellectual property is bad which we'll get into like yeah. you know the abolition of private property includes abolishing intellectual property but um at least it, as it exists now um so copyright just in and of itself is bad but so many of the issues that people have with quote copyright or their solutions of how they think copyright is good or whatever is actually not copyright in so far as it is licensing Mm -hmm. which is different like copyright is just like do you have the right to make a copy of something <laughs> holy shit what a concept whoa it's right there in the name <laughs> yeah and distribute it do you have like distribution rights and do you have rights to copy something and then are you getting the money like from that like do you like copyright like it's like intended purpose is that so like you as someone can make some sort of artistic or scientific achievement advancement whatever and you can rest assured that no one else is gonna like take that for a while so that then you can start working on like other things right um so it's like meant to like encourage like you know foster innovation and then all this like liberal bullshit right um like capital l liberal um mm -hmm. but like that's obviously that's not how it works but like copyright is just like can you make copies can you distribute it you know whatever licensing is then the terms under which someone can legally use 
a copyrighted material. So if you get an ebook from Amazon on your Kindle, you do not actually own that ebook. You are licensing that ebook because you can only use it under certain circumstances and they can remove it from your device at any time for any reason. And if you break the terms of that license, then you don't get that ebook anymore. Right. So like so much of this discussion is not copyright in so much as it is licensing, but yeah. that's another rant. <laughs> well, it's very interesting because if you go back uh, into how it is kind of like, um, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm so sorry. Uh, so if we go back in history, uh, we, we can talk about the Dutch again. Um, <laughs> my favorite, I always find myself here uh, talking <laughs> about the Dutch and I'm so sorry. I don't plan this, but uh, when like this conversation of the word patent came out, for instance, because which is, once again, I would argue this line of development uh, from which copyright IP originally, uh, or like sprung, so to speak. And uh, it's very interesting that these, um, back in the day, in the later medieval eras, you had these letters of patents, and they were essentially just there to formalize this game between European rulers, monarchs, uh, to like, you know, play the little games of Monopoly and so forth and so on. And uh, once again, money introduced by the creation of the first stock markets by the Dutch in Amsterdam, so forth and so on. So I, you know, one could argue that like uh, this whole process was never necessarily meant to serve anyone in particular, uh, especially not. Well, okay, it's for a very specific class, maybe it was uh, once upon a time useful. I don't know. There seems to be uh, some debates and discourse online. Regarding, oh, well, copyright is good, actually, maybe, because it helps us protect us against the big corporations and the uh, people who belong to that specific class, maybe. I don't know how we feel about that. I don't know if you want to get into that a little bit. I mean, I think yeah. it's the point that we've been making so far, that copyright has been a kind of, well, uh, as Justin was saying, right? It's It's been used to, uh, or as Justin and Jay have both been saying, that's been used to as this kind of, uh, oh, you've broken copyright. Now this will be used as this defense or weapon, uh, so to speak, to, to, to bludgeon a, a great deal of people and services and so on. So it, it seems very, uh, shall we say, directed uh, with, with a particular intent. Definitely. No, I think it's very interesting, especially with what Jay said about license. Uh, license plays such a big role in this whole uh, thing. What, uh, I think the most, one of the most or more interesting versions of this is like the fast food industry, where you have like these locations that license the fast food label and then the fast food label uh, company, whatever, sends you those recipes. So then this big capital does not own that location per se, but you do have like, you know, it's a way to spread really fast. Yeah, no, and okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you're, you're talking about like franchising, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's another thing I think a lot of people get mixed up is trademarking and copyright. Oh, yeah. Oh, which yeah. are also not the same thing. And I, I think, I'm not sure if you can trade or if you can copyright a brand or if you can only trademark it. I don't know. I'm not the copyright mm -hmm. expert among the three of us. <laughs> so that would be uh, the other two, quite frankly. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Jay, Justin? know anything about brand copyright <laughs> i mean you can own copyright of stuff uh as a as a corporate owner yeah um and then 
So there's three major types of IP, which is copyright, trademarks, and patents. Trademarks and patents are like much more, you have to register them. You have mm-hmm. to, they, they work like kind of the older system. Copyright's been changed in a lot of ways so that copyright registration is now uh, not really required for you to have copyright. You just have it from the moment yeah, like, you write something it, down. Yeah, if you write a poem or like paint a flower, you've got copyright over that poem or that flower that you painted. Yeah, and the Berne Convention says you do not have to have any registration to have copyright. So this came up in a U.S. case that we talked about on the podcast recently where the Library of Congress, which run, which oversees the Copyright Office, which is kind of historically interesting. They've been trying to like rip the Copyright Office out of the Library of Congress for a long time so that they can have it be its own thing. But for now, it's still kind of under the Librarian of Congress. Mm-hmm. Which um, I think it should stay there. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, most <laughs> of the librarians of Congress have been bad, but now that we have a good one, it's like kind of nice that we got rid yeah, of Maria Yeah, Carl Hayden's great, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. But unfortunately, she doesn't have a lifetime appointment. She's the first one who doesn't have a lifetime appointment, so she'll be gone. Eventually. And she's also uh, like, the first black woman. I wonder if those two things are connected. Hmm. She's also yeah, a librarian. Probably. Yeah. Historically, the librarian of Congress hasn't always been a librarian. I don't know. <laughs> there have been like three. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most of the time, they're men of letters, uh, like A and B and C. To the listeners, I'm making a jerk off motion. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So the, the Library of Congress could send a letter of demand saying, uh, you know, you've, you've published something and you've got copyright on it therefore we can demand a a copy and a circuit court recently said uh or a dc uh is it a circuit court dc i can always get it mixed up if it's a circuit court or something else um it's they said actually because you don't have to do this deposit requirement to get copyright the government is just taking something but without giving you something so that's an unlawful taking because you already have the copyright. So you don't have to do this deposit in order to get the copyright. So what is actually the point of requiring it? Now, if you do go register your copyright, then you do have to provide that copy to do the registration part, but not just, but this, this publisher was not doing that. They were just publishing and then they got a letter of demand, which was the thing that Congress had the power that the, the library of Congress had the power to do. So it's kind of weird because it's like two separate little clauses in the law that are slightly different. Um, so that power is probably going to be changed. But yeah, copyright is is now much more like, like an everyman thing. And I think that's why people think it's going to protect them as the little guy. And I think it's kind of been designed to, in some ways, like kind of do that. But mm-hmm. because it's of practice. the way market forces work, because of the way market forces work, things tend to centralize. And then yeah. that means uh, intellectual property has thus centralized. As as companies have merged, so too has the ownership of copyright. And so pe- many people don't own their copyright. And if you're a small artist and you say, well, I own my copyright. Yeah, but if you're posting on Instagram, you've given Instagram a license to use your work for free. Yep. So they've they've got you with a workaround because you've already given them the rights to use anything you post on the three websites that exist. So copyright is going to protect you for shit. Yeah. Yeah. There's platform control, which is another problem. So instead of talking about like 
we need copyright to protect me from AI. It's sort of like, no, we need to like have laws about how these platforms can control you and, and take, you know, can you sue over these terms of service? Can you sue over these uh, bad mm -hmm. music contracts? Like I've been reading a lot about the music industry and, you know, it's, you don't own your copyright. You have to pay back all your advances. You have to pay back the, what used to be called breakage fees. But since there's no physical records, they don't, breakage doesn't really mean that anymore. It just means like money that's left over that doesn't go to you anymore um, mm. when streaming agreements happen. And also, which Jay was saying with, uh, when you buy a book on Amazon, an ebook, you don't buy it, you license it. But in the music industry, if you license it, you get a 50% royalty. If you sell it, you get like a 5 or 10%. But e-sales, which are licenses, are treated as record sales. So you don't get the 50% licensing, you get the 5 to 10% licensing. Good God. So that's been a yeah, so that's been a big fight, and that's also why streaming doesn't pay artists because like do you get the 5%, do you get the 10%, do you get the 50%? And also the big music industries and the streaming industry were the ones making the agreements. So they were like, how do we balance our own interests against our own interests? And so it was, everyone was like, this seems like a monopoly problem. And everyone's like, nah, well, nah. It's very interesting that, that, that you end there then, because that's, that's kind of what I was like clumsily, clumsily trying to get at earlier. It's that these tools, once again, I'm not saying they have other, uh, they shouldn't conceptualize them in any other way, but it is uh, very unfortunate how these things, both license, copyright, trademark, whatever, have, and in the large scale sense, been tools for like economic hegemony in some ways, both nationally and internationally. Um, like, a, like a thing that I, <laughs> oh, that I lost my shit over multiple times was the whole uh, during the, the pandemic that is still going on, not going, I don't know. But my point being that there you could patent medicine and that was like, oh, that's, that's a unique evil thing that uh, the fact that the rest of the world had to wait because, well, you know, some, some American and European companies actually need to make their money first and then they'll get them in like 2023, 2024, I don't care really. Because we need to maximize profit. They need to get their breakage fees back. <laughs> sure. And like with profit and to also like sort of bring this back to like, you know, a lot of... Um, artists and creators I see on social media who like the leftism leaves their bodies <laughs> as soon as they're asked not to defend intellectual property law anymore. Um, but they're like, but copyright is going to protect me from the, the people who want to steal my stuff. Disney wants there to be no copyright so they can steal my thing. I'm like, copyright law in the United States is fucked because of Disney. That's yeah. why intellectual property law is so strong in the United States because of Disney. But, um, well, they're one of the reasons. There's multiple yeah. reasons. So I would encourage everyone who listens to this episode to go read the copyright law of your country. If you are someone who is in the United States, or if you're curious to read the United States one, United States copyright law is actually not that hard to read. I am not a lawyer. 
I I took a class on copyright in grad in grad school, and I am friends with a lot of copyright librarians, and have taken a lot of workshops in fair use because it's like crucial to the work that we do. And so I want to be able to understand this, and like reading copyright law, and even reading like case law around copyright because I had to write papers about it in my copyright class is actually not that difficult. And so again, this whole like, this is quote meant for the every person, this is supposed to defend them. But then if a corporation or someone like, do you have like, so for all the, if you are listening to this, and you think the copyright law is your friend to protect you and your <laughs> art, do you have the money to sue someone? If so, yes. Uh, otherwise, uh, probably not. Do you have the capital to defend yeah your copyright. If not, then it doesn't fucking matter. The person, the corporation that has the money yeah. can do whatever the fuck they want. They can either like out pay you for something, like they can pay whatever fines they need to pay or whatever, or you just can't afford to sue them and risk losing. Well, and that's the whole crux of the whole DMCA mm -hmm. takedown thing as an intimidation tactic is it's mm, basically, sure is. you know, we have, Thanks, the Prince. yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, we have the capability to bring this to court, do you? And the, even if it is a perfectly use like perfectly clear fair use case, most of the time, especially on things like YouTube or yes. anywhere where it is automatically moderated, then you're fucked. I mean, it yeah. doesn't matter how clear the fair use is because nobody can pay that. And it's like, and yeah, especially with different YouTube, it's like, that's your livelihood half the time. So of course you're not going to challenge it. It's, it's an illusion of choice situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah it, it functions very differently from the original claimed purpose. I find indeed YouTube, I wanted to talk about that as well. Say already luckily said everything I wanted to say, so I don't have to. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a very everyday, uh, commonplace situation environment in which we see exactly that. The, the the fact that a big company can just be like, yeah, well, we're going to put in a claim, and uh, what are you going to do about it, Bozo? Like, have fun the next two months trying to get your little video back on. That's probably not going to be relevant. Going to be picked up by the algorithm. So there's so many structural ways that you know. The people who don't have a lot of capital getting shafted that way. Oh, yeah. Uh, YouTube is uh, one of the cases I'm, I'm also most familiar with. Aside from the very obvious fact that's like, by the time it's like, oh, the claim is revoked, whatever, uh, you've already lost a, a ton of monetization that the video would have gone worried up by then or monetizable by then. But uh, aside from the very obvious point, like it's, uh, it's very telling that people who have actually, it's like, no, contesting these claims and like actually putting in the work because like are people who are somewhat established and can you know like literally tank that yes. like it's it's an investment an effort to like you know in order to have any kind of decent i mean we're miles away from that but for, for the very bare minimum in the within these platforms which is a shit show uh because it's their platforms you need to like take a massive hit and be a risk uh, your your entire your channel or all the stuff the content you do your your media all of that uh, in order to you know declare fair use uh, it's it's insane um, but it, it's selling how it, it's it, it, when you look around I'm thinking obviously of uh, Stephanie Sterling uh, who all the time is like no this this fucking bullshit uh, but you know they they've established themselves for a while and literally you know 
suffering because of those claims and because of that struggle, that fight, literally. And that's just within that platform. We started thinking about, and I think Justin's example is one of the strongest because it's got a, such a, a long, terrible history of like the music business, especially in the US with the record labels. Like it's, you start thinking about it, it's like, oh yeah, this, this is fucking terrible. Um, one of the things I, I, I come in, and that's, well, two things, but before I forget, just to type <laughs> the YouTube thing, I remember like this, um, I found this YouTube group and like they do a, a lot of things and, and they did some musical parodies. Um, at least for a while. And then those parodies were off air or off YouTube. And I was like, wait, what happened? And then as I did some digging around, it's like, oh, they, they were contesting or fighting copyright claims because they were, they were parodies. They, they were satire. And then eventually the videos came back up and, and stayed. But it was like, it was like, I don't know, two years after those videos came out. And then they stayed off for like maybe some months. And then eventually they came back. Um, but they maybe stayed off more. But it's, it, it, it is nonsensical. It, it is literally a bludgeon to use against people. It's like, because, you know, if you have the money to sue someone, if you have the money mm -hmm. to, like, literally uh, bully people into taking their content out, into giving you money, uh, it, it's like, you do. And that's how, how copyright generally works. But yeah. the other point where I, I think it's um, a little more confusing, or at least my, from my perspective, or, or for little I know about it, uh, in terms of international distribution, because you know it, it's it, it's always a funny experience. Like, oh, oh, if you've seen this this show, or whatever. Oh, where can I see it? Oh, it's not available in whatever because you know distribution contracts and whatnot. And it's just like, oh, how fun! This exclusive thing that they're doing, it's not here, not in my country. Well, fuck you. Um, nothing <laughs> against them in particular, but uh, I'm especially uh, there's nothing quite as demoralizing and enraging as opening a website it's like oh not available in your country it's just like oh no it's a f fuck your country in particular fuck the mil the hundreds of millions of people who live there because uh, just nope um i'm thinking about several things shudder for example um who is just like the website doesn't open it literally just it's a blank screen with the in the i don't know calibri or something or typeface i was like oh not available <laughs> in your country sorry and I'm you like, well, are your friend. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like um, the other night, um, a couple of people on this call were in the Library Punk Discord trying to um, listen to music together. And every single time we tried to play a YouTube video through the little YouTube activity thing in a Discord call, it was like, sorry, we can't play it in this app. It didn't even matter the country. It was like, because it was actually playing fine for Leon in the Netherlands, but for me and Justin, it wasn't because of the licensing of YouTube being able to play within another app, Fuck because uh, like you can only watch that YouTube video on the YouTube website, not through the Discord app, Yeah, right? The licensing. Fucking stupid. <laughs> what, what I find very oh, sorry, sorry. Carry on, Leon. What the, just real quick, like what I find so concerning is uh, once again the meme that uh, Jay just said, like, oh, the left is leaving people's body when AI is like threatened. And like, by the way, that meme is the reason why this episode exists because Jay and I were laughing yeah. about it. But that, 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 that put aside, I 
I, I understand, um, or at least I want to desperately understand, people who are like, oh, well, let them fight, right? Because I have no wars in this race. Let us people fight, like people who invest in AI versus people who have already invested in copyright law. Like, you know, uh, they can just fight it out. And that's that's good, actually, Lamau. And there might be situations in which two elements of cap- capital fight each other or whatever, and you you might have that disposition. That's I'm not coming for you necessarily. If you ever said both of them fight, because I have done that. But I would just like to ask you the question: What do you think is going to happen after they fight? Like, th- there's going to be a bigger, more concentrated, more powerful thing there that's not going to be your friend. <laughs> that then will then immediately like focuses back on you and see well how much money can I squeeze out of you in any way possible. There could be different iterations of that, so on, forth, and so on. But I would just like to very humbly ask the question, like, well, what afterwards, right? Because this has never worked for out for us ever. So yeah, okay. Yeah, because like my take on copyright law is that like copyright law only exists because people have to like if someone is like a creator of some kind right or a researcher or something like where them creating something is their livelihood where they have to sell that thing and make money off of that thing just to live right the only reason we even need the concept of copyright of you being the person to be able to make copies and distribute copies and make money off of copies off of, off of a work um, only exists because of capitalism, because we are not guaranteed food, water, clothing, and shelter, right? Because we have to pay to stay alive. We then have to have protections around the things that we do to make the money to stay alive. That's the only reason we even need the concept of copyright. Like, there is no such thing as a, like, leftist copyright. Yes. Because you don't fucking need intellectual property or copyright if it doesn't fucking matter if someone steals your shit or whatever. Like, if it's like, like, if we still have a system where, like, maybe making money is fun, but, like, if you don't have to, like, fucking stay, like, like make money to stay alive then it just doesn't fucking matter right (laughs) it doesn't matter pretty accurate no but i think that's a thing exactly where a bunch of people uh people who are seemingly identify as leftists and so forth and so on get confused because they think like oh uh labor is entitled to everything it creates therefore we should put a little sticker on it called copyright and because that's what they think copyright is and it's like well this is once again, labor is indeed entitled to everything it creates. I agree with you so far. It's just this simple delineation of laborer creates a pair of shoes is no longer a thing. Because once again, well, it is still a thing, don't get me wrong. But what about a movie? Like, does the director own it? Is it is, they, these movies nowadays are made by like a thousand people. Like a Marvel movie is like, I don't know how many people. They brag about creating how many jobs they have, which is actually them bragging about how many people they exploited. But that, how many surplus value they stole? But that, that's fine. But th- that's those are large numbers. So okay. sorry, Sadie, go on. Oh no, uh, I just wanted to point out that like Jay is absolutely right, and that like <laughs> if we didn't have capitalism, we wouldn't need these things. Yes. Yeah. But there is also the very like real concern of 
artists who are like, well, that's all well and good, but it doesn't help me survive right now in this situation. So there is sort of like, I'm not necessarily saying that like, you know, the leftism leaving your body when you think about <laughs> intellectual property is like a good stance to have, but I, there's gotta, I feel like there's, there's gotta be a, an intermittary step. Hmm. Yeah. I, I agree because it's like I feel like if these people understood that copyright is actually even still not helping them right now, yeah. um, is the thing again. Like, can they afford to sue someone? Well, and I always say this when people yeah. get really weird about like, well, because a lot of this translates into public libraries where people are like, oh, well, authors must obviously not like public libraries because they give away no, their publish your stone. Publish your stone. <laughs> libraries and authors should actually be ganging up against the fucking publishers, right? And instead, the publishers somehow get us in this like fucking circle of viciousness where people have no idea what libraries do and have no idea what authors do somehow think that we're at yeah. each other's throats or are trying to get us at each other's throats which um there are plenty of authors who do actually honest to god hate public libraries especially the american model based on um right of first sale so mm -hmm. it's not entirely it's it it's not a cohesive effort is is what i'm trying to say but like it, it, the the problem is still intellectual property and copyright I don't know if that made any sense. Sorry. No, totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that reminds me of uh, the, the pilot that's going on where they're trying to have local journalism based out of the po local public library because like local journalism hasn't been able to flourish. And so they're trying to like have the library help fund local journalists to focus on local politics and stuff. And then the resulting stuff is free through the library. Like, they're basically like front loading the production costs. And it's like, yeah, that's what all this needs. You didn't like, if you just change the model of how you create things, like the copyright becomes less relevant. But going back to what Frank said about how YouTube creators have like this short window to make any money. That's why copyright should be short. Like, even if you were saying, oh, well, copyright, I need it to make a living. Okay. Then the copyright should be five years long max like that's about as much time as you're going to make money off of but this ties into the sort of royalties discussion because once copyright ends and the royalties end so people are saying well you want the royalties to keep coming in for the rest of your life right so the copyright has to be long because you're going to keep getting paid royalties and that's why the fight you know the strike over uh getting your royalties from streaming and any kind of new media is really important because like this is like the the royalties that you keep accruing over the rest of your life um so if copyright were short then the royalties would end and that's bad for the people who get paid uh, to do that but it's like it's kind of like that's not the copyright wasn't really the problem it's the fact that they're not getting paid a decent share of the profits that come out of whatever they're getting. Like they, they're not getting wages plus. Right. Again, it's a licensing thing, not a copyright thing necessarily. Like if you mm. sign a license or like an, like uh, your contract, contract is like, yeah. like we'll have this, whatever, even if your copyright ends, if in the license it's like, and you will still get residuals 
based off of your work. Like you can still have residuals and royalties without copyright. You just that just has to be in a license and a contract that you sign. That's still a thing that could happen. <laughs> yeah, it could. Yeah. It also I mean also the more you're tied into and invested in these royalties, the more that means that the people who are collecting the royalties have the power over the industry. So they're like, okay, you owe us this much royalties. We're keeping track of how many streams we're keeping track of how many different times we've licensed it out. So it gets you invested in the system. Sort of, I think of it for some reason, what's coming to mind is like uh, people who are really invested in like the whole discourse around like tipping, like everyone's oh, got to yeah. tip good because like, but it's like, cause no one gets paid properly. Like, because if you got a share of the proceeds of the restaurant, you wouldn't need tips. So it's kind of like, I kind of see it like that. It's like, you're stuck in the system. It's like, yeah, telling me tipping is bad. Is it helping me right now? And it's like, yeah, saying that copyright is bad. Is it helping me right now? Because mm -hmm. I need these royalties. And it's like, yeah, like that's kind of like the number one thing is like, but that has nothing to do with extending copyright or saying copyright is good for leftism. You don't have to. You just have to say, look, there are all these points in which media is controlled. And I think going like what you were saying about like you couldn't show YouTube on Discord. That might not even be a licensing thing. That might be like a privacy thing where YouTube just wants you on its platform so it can mm -hmm. get metrics yeah. on you. And so it might be like an EU privacy law is like, no, you have to be able to stream it on other platforms. And in the US, they're still allowed to force you onto the YouTube platform. Because the more you're on there, the more data they get about you. Everything yeah. you upload to YouTube, obviously YouTube's got a license to you. So I think it might not even be a licensing thing. It might be a privacy thing. I don't know either way, but that was just a note I wrote down. But So YouTube's owner does have an actually, actually has a long history of doing that. Uh, Google, for instance, if you download Chrome uh, with updates, it also places files in the uh, Internet Explorer browser that you might have installed. It allegedly did like messes with your installation of Internet Explorer, which is why Internet Explorer got that reputation that it's slow, bad, and shit. And it probably was, but they made it even worse. So, like, it wouldn't... And um, it purposely messes with, like, ad blockers for its revenue. It, it does a whole bunch of things. And uh, to, to zoom out a little bit then, because I, I think, based on what you guys are saying, I think it's, it's very interesting that there is this seemingly uh once again we are not surprised by it i would argue but for formality's sake seemingly there seems to be this contradiction with, with how capital functions it needs skilled informed labor at the same time which is sponsored by the uh like you know not having copyright by sharing knowledge freely so forth and so on and at the same time it needs copyrights and to suppress those precisely those activities of sharing information knowledge and so forth and skills to have its intellectual property regime continuing. And I, I don't know how you guys feel about it. Go ahead, Jay. Yes. So um, <laughs> there's actually, um, yeah, on, on the recording, you'll probably hear my like, <gasps> I like wind up for the pitch. I'm like, oh, I have something to say. Um, so this is uh, one of the biggest sort of um, protests you'll hear against the length like the term the length of copyright terms in the united states at least um mm. uh for people who don't know um in the united states the person who holds the copyright over something which is not necessarily the person who person or people who created it yes but the copyright holder a copyright for an item exists 
um, for, I believe it's 75 years. Yeah. Um, after the um, death of the creator. Yeah. 70. I always say 75, though, but it is 70. I had to double check the other day. Oh, is it 70? Fuck. Cool. But yeah, so it's like if the copyright holder dies, then 70 years later is when it enters the public domain. And um, so it doesn't have to be the creator. Again, remember, it's the copyright holder, I believe, right? Um, And you can only renew copyright so many times. Um, But like, this is why there's like estates that hold like copyright. Like I remember um, one of my favorite copyright cases of all time is um, (laughs) I'm such a fucking nerd. I have a favorite copyright case. Anyway, um, I'll go on. So um, in, in my copyright course, I want to like our final paper was that we had to write about a, a fair use case uh, where we disagreed with the outcome of it. So I actually had to read case law and understand it and write about it and have opinions about it, even though I don't have a JD, right? I'm not a lawyer, but there's this. Um, so there's the, uh, the, the rap group NWA. Are we all familiar with NWA? You know, mm-hmm. fuck the police, all that, right? Um, they sampled a baseline. I tell this story on library punk all the time. So I'm sorry, Justin Sadie. Um, <laughs> but they sample like a two note or like a two second or something like bass riff from a, uh, I believe a parliament funkadelic song. Yes. And they like rewind it and they speed it up and they pitch bend it. Like they do all sorts of stuff on it. This is very plain jane sample culture which is part of like the heart and soul of like rap and hip-hop is sampling Uh right Mm -hmm. um it's great you know half of the beastie boys like beastie boys is just rapping over led zeppelin drums like that's just what the beastie boys are right um and the like uh, i believe the people in parliament funkadelic uh, I, i believe george clinton right was like already dead at this time Right. But like the, or, but regardless, like the estate. So it wasn't like George Clinton who sued. It was the estate. Right. And like the, um, uh, or whatever, like sued NWA because they didn't license that like two seconds, which is clearly fair use. If you know anything about fair use, it is clearly a transformative use. Right. Um, and NWA lost. The judge was like, oh, that's that's clearly copyright infringement, um, which is sets a very bad precedent, I might say, um, because music copyright is fucked. It's so complicated. It makes my job very hard. Um, <laughs> um, so like, I, that's why I care a lot about music copyright, because right. like judges like don't understand music even though each side has to get expert witnesses and testimonies if if a judge is making the final ruling and the judge just doesn't understand like i am convinced so this is not me defending robin thick but you know the song blurred lines Mm -hmm. uh it got so robin thick got sued for that song by the estate of marvin gay for plagiarism I disagree that this was plagiarism. Fuck Robin Thicke. But I am convinced that he lost that case because of the public's opinion. It had nothing to do with the actual legality of whether he copy he like plagiarized or fair used or whatever 
a Marvin Gaye song, just the judge was like, no, fuck you. Yeah, no, it's very yeah. interesting that, uh, first off, uh, George Clinton is still alive today. Is he? Yeah. Okay, it's sorry, George Clinton. No, 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 I, just, I, I was curious myself, like, did he die? So did I was, he die? <laughs> I was dead. Sorry. He was still alive. I thought I saw him on the line somewhere. No. Uh, 82 and still going strong, apparently. But, Good for him. Yeah, great. And But yeah, this is then, uh, just from a very, very quickly brief sociological perspective, this is then exactly where so many problems arise, when culture and uh, social power or social uh, mm-hmm. social labor power meets with supposedly very uh, black and white uh, codex, uh, how do you say this in English? Um, like laws, like the very narrow, supposedly objectivist uh, hallway that is law. It doesn't gel well with this ever-fluid, ever-changing thing that is culture and art. And yet, yeah, this is where, like, once again, so many uh, wiggle room and these gray areas that we talked at uh, in the beginning about, these gray areas emerge from, I would argue. Yeah, and it's weird how in music, those gray areas have like gotten smaller and smaller because it's impossible to do music without relying on influences. Yeah. And mm-hmm. copyright is supposed to be about a work, which means like a whole work. So mm-hmm. like you can't copyright like a small movement of a dance. You have to you can copyright a choreography, but you can't copyright yes. like the floss dance. But in music, they're kind of basically allowing you to copyright the floss dance. They're like saying like, no, you can copyright this beat. You can copyright this groove. Uh, which was the blurred lines case. It's like, what the fuck is a groove? Like someone made an argument that you can copyright a groove. Right. And it's like, you know, I mean, uh, you can't. And it's like, so that's how all of the sampling money also fucks over the music industry because like, who can, who can pay to do all the sampling? You've got to go through a big uh, company to do it because they've got to do not only the licensing for the, the, because music copyright is really fucked. It's a special kind of fucked. You've got like two levels of licenses. So you've got the recording copyright and you've got the mechanical rights underneath it, uh, which are Mm -hmm. separately licensed for some reason that I don't understand and refuse to understand because I don't care. Um, If anyone asks me about music copyright, I go, you're on your own. I'm not a lawyer. Like you've got to get a lawyer because at this point, I don't know. But yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just, I was just going to point out that that music copyright being fucked also spills outside of music. Um, there was a yeah. comic, a web comic that I followed for a really long time, and when it was finished, it was very popular. But the artist and writer and creator, who was basically a one-person show, had used lyrics, sections of lyrics in the comics, in written out and it wasn't even it's not like they were typing out entire songs or anything like that it was just references because music was part of what the comic was exploring so of course it's going to be in there and when they published it as a book like as a physical book they had to go through and figure out what they could license for a amount of like for a halfway amount, decent amount of money just to be able to publish their kickstarted comic. Right. So it's like, and they ended up having to change so much about the comic from the original version, just because of the weird licensing bullshit they had to go through with 
lyrics. So that changes another work and another medium, even. So like in terms yeah. of culture, it even reaches way outside of it what it's supposed to be focused on. That's terrifying. Yeah, like um, something that like I wrote about in my paper was that like this sort of like if you have to pay t- licensing for like things like that, like that should be fair use. One, what Sadie's yeah. describing. Um, two is that like sampling is also fair use. And like if you have to pay to license all of your samples, well, that like is an obstacle to the people who are creating the music that mostly use samples which is like like teenagers of color right and not always in like you know well-off areas right like it's a lot of like poor like black teenagers and like young adults who are like making this kind of music and then they like fucking then can't right like what about all the soundcloud rappers what the fuck are they supposed to do and like i i realized that i lost my original point i was trying to make and that like the reason why like one of like the the big protests about like the terms of copyright law is that like because that that term is so long in the united states it means that so much of our culture is shut off except to those who can afford to use it which means that like we don't have a culture anymore where we have like this like shared like stories and everything that like we can all use and build off of no it's like only if you can pay for it and even then sometimes you can't like you just can't get the rights to it sometimes they'll just be like no fuck you and so that like like yes people should be like coming up with their own shit but coming up with your own shit includes also building off of the culture before it like um uh what's his fucking name it's not Corey Doctorow it's someone else I can't think of his name right now but like he does whole presentations on like why like remix culture is like so important and so why like our copyright laws and copyright terms are like shutting off our ability to participate in our own like cultural creation and and everything yeah I mean oh go on sorry Frank uh go, go on Leo Oh, well, I, just real quick, um, I, I just think that's exactly what we uh, also said earlier, and that this is how this particular iteration of copyright functions so specifically evil or in, in such a villainous way. That's when we, we talked about like Meta's activities on Instagram, you sign away your, uh, you know, the thing that you made essentially by uploading into it. What we see here and what all these um, examples like indicate, I would argue, is that the but the sheer productivity of social and cultural labor impels corporations directly to subjugate these activities within communities. And I think that, uh, once again, well, <laughs> that that is for me like the crux of where it goes so fucked so quick, <laughs> to say it very unfatheringly. Once again, it's a way to control, as we see, by, uh, to generate some kind of cultu- uh, culture industry and so forth and so on. And I don't know, I think that's... Uh, once again, I think these are all very good and valid examples of that. And that's exactly kind of where I wanted secretly this thing to go. That's fine. Thank you for that. <laughs> I think it's fascinating, because especially what you just mentioned, Jay, like this uh, this kind of gap uh, between like the, this length of copyright, because it creates a sort of cultural lag. And, and you'll mm-hmm. quickly get what I'm saying, because recently, last year or something, probably very recently, 
like, uh, what was it, like Great Gatsby or F. Scott Fitzgerald ran out of copyright. Yes. And so people actually started writing and publishing books based on those novels. Great Gatsby of the Cats. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we, we started start thinking, okay, it's like that's happening. Could you imagine what culture could have been if that was being done and changed and adapted from, in I don't know, 70 years ago and not now? Like it, it, it creates a, a very strong lag, and in, like I think it's especially so much gets fucking lost in between because like I, I mean you you know I'm a historian and I'm I'm not I'm no archivist, but like I am desperately fascinated by obscure shit, like the, <laughs> this stuff that you know someone made, someone published, someone sold, someone wrote, someone filmed, um, this thing. This thing is terrible. This thing is awful. And yet, someone made this. And this, like, if it wasn't for, like, random chance, like, finding an Instagram reel, like, I think it's just the kind of thing that would is get gets lost. It's like, um, you know, it, 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 you think, like, how much this kind of, I don't know, it, it literally chokes out so much of culture that it, it gets lost in the way. And it, it, this is, we're thinking in terms of, like, a single country. If we think in international terms, like what kind of cultural exchange could we be having if we didn't have so many fucking hoops between things? Like, um, to give a, a, another example close to my heart, uh, nineteen sixty six Batman. Um, it's uh, like proper licensing and co- distribution contracts got sorted out in, in like five six years ago at most, and like we're talking about a show that ran from sixty six to sixty eight, um, and it like. Over fifty years before, like it kind of could be properly distributed again for like people to see it uh, in a legitimate, like quality, stable manner, get access to more stuff about it. And it's like, you know, how much do cultural influences and cultural, you know, knowledge exchange, learning gets just lost, gets just gone, and how much like I there's this effort of recovery of reinserting these things. I, um, in, in other words, why do I care so much about bringing the and talking about this bizarre, obscure shit that I care about? And these aren't the examples. I mean, uh, on the Library Punk episode, I was talking about the obscure Japanese TV show that is only that was only successful in Brazil. So you know, all the, all these kinds of things, like how, and you know, it, it, it's it, it kind of got replicated because it was in a, a separate country, in a very far away where. Those those mechanisms of control weren't as successful, um, and you know, and, and so on, and uh, a lot to say about remakes. But anyway, uh, say you, <laughs> you wanted to say something. Well, and I wanted I wanted to say that not only is it there's the, the cultural lag that happens, but then that also influences like we also lose what the people who experienced that media at the time thought, because mm-hmm. then they're prevented from being able to distribute and pass out that sort of yes. thing. So we get sort of this narrow view of one thing in particular through history, which is, you know, happens because that's how history works. But then, then when we do get to be able to play off of it, it becomes all viewed through whatever the modern era is where it finally became public domain. So we don't actually have a view on what that looked like at the 
time. If like, is this making sense? Yeah. So yes. like, like every every interpretation of the Great Gatsby that's going to get published or whatever, you know, now that it's in public domain, is going to be very modern minded. And we won't get to see those variations on the same themes and that same thing from somebody from the same exact time period, which is where we get this weird, oh, I, that's how it that's how it was. Like they're from a different time period when there have always been people, especially, you know, I always think of this in terms of race. Like people think, oh, well, you know, slavery was normal. And it's like, no, there were plenty of yes. abolitionists at the time. That's so the slaves, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that too. And like, <laughs> and yeah, so like, and in terms of media, we just lose all of that as well. And like Justin said, a, a five year would make it way more easy to be able to see those cultural views of things throughout time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and like there, there's a lag in that way. But then also, I would say in um, in higher education in academia, again, at least in the United States, I don't know how this works elsewhere. Like, yes, technically for educational uses, that's another way that you are allowed to get around copyrights that you're using it for like educational like, purposes. You're screening a film in a classroom, right? However so many films now are on streaming and those licenses my friends are very different um like you can't like necessarily show netflix in your classroom right and so even though you have sort of educational license to show contemporary films in a course so many you know, Justin has pointed this out on Library Punk before. Like, this is why a lot of, like, if you're going to watch a film in a college course or something, like, are older because they're those aren't aren't the ones that are on streaming. They're easier to get like physical copies of. Like, the library is probably going to have physical copies of it or something, or it's like stuff that's like in the public domain or whatever. Whereas, like, you know, there are so many films now that do not get physical releases. Yeah. And they are only available via streaming. Like one of my favorite movies, uh, I was on Horror Vanguard to talk about it. Uh, the Empty Man has never had a physical release. Like I can only watch it via streaming or I bootleg it, right? Um, I cannot buy and own one one of my favorite horror movies, right? And it's like, can I show, can I stream an HBO Max film? Like, in a college course like i mean there's not the copyright police like if they nobody knows then the answer is yes you can um it's only illegal if you get caught but like you know so there's also this like we're not there's a lag in like commentary but then also it's like we're steeped in at least in a higher education or even in high schools like we're steeped in all of the stuff that came before but then can't necessarily do anything with it and then aren't even being exposed to the current stuff and being able to talk about it. And then like there was, um, I was going to make another point <laughs> and I had to comment on that. Um, I think that was, Oh no. Um, so there's two films that like you cannot watch. They like don't have official releases. Um, there's bootlegs of them, but like, and it's because like, like, Sadie was saying how like music copyright or like copyright for things that then get used in other mediums. 
is so fucked um, that like it affects even just things that sample it. And that like um, there's this film called Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story by one of my favorite directors, Todd Haynes. That name should sound familiar to uh, Leon and Frank, the director of Velvet Goldmine. Um, And it's about Karen Carpenter. uh, And a lot of it is told through Barbie dolls and stuff. Um, however, uh, that film cannot be released or shown because Todd Haynes did not get the, the rights to use any of the Carpenter's music. Um, and so the Museum of Modern Art has the, has a copy of it, but cannot show it at all. There are bootlegs that you can watch, including on YouTube. Um, but I bet the sound has been taken out of them, right? Because there's not the license for that. Or like one of John Waters' first films. Um, can't be released because he didn't get the rights to the music that he used in it because he was making films with his friends and was just like not getting you know location permits wasn't getting rights to anything he was just making films with his friends and so like cannot release that film even now and he's a bajillionaire because of like you know his movies and, and hairspray and all that. But this is a film. I think it's, I think it's a hag in a black leather jacket, I think is what it is. It just like can't be released because John Waters, like didn't get the rights to the music. Um, so like, yeah, like that shit even affects directors who like have money later in their careers. <laughs> think about what will happen with TikToks. Like oh, you're God. allowed to play with it on TikTok, but if you try and migrate all of your stuff off TikTok you don't have a license to that anymore. And you, now you can't distribute it anymore because in the background you've got music playing that's copyrighted. So you're captured by this platform. And that was also what I was going to say about Netflix. Um, Like you can legally stream Netflix in your classroom and that's pretty easy to do. Like you can just set it up in your classroom and show it. But if you're teaching online, it blacks out your screen, right? That's what I meant. Yeah. So it, it like, when the pandemic happened, it was really hard because people who had been showing movies in their class were like, I don't know how to show a movie over Zoom. And I'm like, OK, so you can do that. You can stream a movie over Zoom. You're totally fine to do that. We have a separate law for that called the Teach Act. Mm-hmm. But not everyone's like very good at doing that kind of stuff. So what I do is I ditch. I usually just order the DVD through the library I, or they bring it to me. I digitize it and then we put it in their course and we turn off downloads and that keeps it. But none of that has to do with copyright, but it has to do with sort of like being in compliance with online education rules that we have. So that are, that are like auxiliary to copyright. But then like like, the library can't get a Netflix license, right? Right. Netflix doesn't license to libraries. PBS doesn't license a lot of its stuff to like the libraries. Um, they're getting better. I'm seeing more PBS stuff, but for a long time, you could not get anything, any PBS documentary through a library subscription. Um, and so, and there's only like one major movie distributor and that's like swank. So uh, if you want major movies, like you've got one vendor. And so there's really like no one else. So yeah, I think. Yeah. Culture is just kind of trapped in <laughs> platforms that are allowed to use it. But then if you ever tried to move away from that platform and, and, you know, say you made like a TikTok movie, like you did like two minutes and someone kept making it, making it, making it, and they made their own movie, you'd be like a John Waters situation where they can never like share that really because 
every copy they make is an infringement of the music that they made in the background. So you get really cool cultural artifacts that just can't really be shared around. Yeah, the, 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 we're brushing up against a very interesting and important conversation there. It's just like, okay, we have all, all these products. Because, like, on the one hand, we were talking about all this that's like, oh, how do people survive of this? How does this work? How does this function? And how, how people have run into so many problems just trying to create shit. But then we reach the other question, which is like, especially talking about libraries, I think that, that kept bringing it up to me. How, okay, like, people have, have done this, have published this, have filmed this, have distributed this. But um, the, the question at the end of the day is like, how. What, this it's, it's a facetious way of asking the question because uh, I have a specific answer in mind, but bear with me. Um, who whom does this cultural product belong to? And, mm-hmm. and like, I mean, to us at least, it's very clear that as a cultural product, it belongs to everyone. But yes. as this media product, it belongs to a handful of people or a handful of companies or or you know or Netflix or the distribution platforms and so on which are allowed to, which can show it or not. But it's the kind of thing, right? Like, oh, this thing that was made and existed and and distributed and, you know, offered to people or or sold to people to be watched, to be read, whatever. Um, This this thing which was made public, which was made available in some form or another, even via services, can just like, no, no, but not not actually. The the thing you watch, you can't watch anymore. You you can't anymore. You, You just... And you know, v- via streaming, that becomes easy. You you don't you don't confiscate anything. You just remove it from the service. And uh, you know, it it, bro- it goes back up to the to the thing I was talking about. You know, archives and whatnot. It's like, oh, this stuff it's lost because uh, no one anymore they can't. And and sure, certain things or certain platforms can be gone. But like, how? You know, it, it's the kind of thing. Like, it, it's made public, and it, it, it sometimes it's just gone. Like I, it would be simpler, if I commas, if it was like, oh, the person made, produced these, and now doesn't want it anymore for X or Y. Okay, that's that's fair. There's enough. They they made it. It's their image. Whatever. When we're talking about a movie, which is what Liam was saying earlier, it's like thousands of people have made this, but uh, let a handful decide what what its ultimate fate will be, and whom can see it and what. It's like what. <laughs> It, 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 the more I f- we we talk about, the more we dive into this. It's like it, it's so fucking baffling. It's like it's nonsense. It's frankly nonsense, and it's just uh, like if you genuinely the the thing you know about authors, like oh, defending copyright, other there will be people who are malicious about it, definitely. But I'm like, it's I I can't believe if you're if you're actually I, I'd rather I hope it's fucking ignorance because if it's sincere, then you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> And a terrible excuse for a human being. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think it's very telling that um, at the uh, at the Academy Awards here in the United States that the the when a film wins Best Picture, the person or people who get that who are the people who win that award is the producers. Yep. Like that's who gets when a will when a film wins Best Picture. Like everyone goes on stage, but it goes to the producers. Hold on, Sadie, you wanted to say something, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't exactly remember what you said that spurred this thought on Frank, but 
like I feel like libraries, there was a, a very small period of time where libraries could have had an immense influence on this kind of thing with a digital first right of sale. And yes. first right of sale, if anybody doesn't know, is basically you're right. You bought a copy of a book. You can loan that book out to as many friends as you fucking want. Uh, and you could even sell that used you could copy. even turn around and sell that used copy. And that's that's one of the unique, unique things about American libraries that I think makes that is one of the unique, awesome, special things about American public libraries. It's one of my favorite things about American public libraries is that we've been able to get this first right of sale. And there was a short period of time when libraries started exploring ebooks, where it was just a window of opportunity where we could have stood our ground and said, no, these terms are not okay. We need to solidify a digital first right of sale or something along those lines so we can continue to operate in this sort of air quotes, democratic matter, right? And instead we got Overdrive, which is basically you license shit and then Amazon and et cetera, et cetera. And it's the same exact thing for libraries now. We don't own any of our eBooks. We don't own a single fucking copy of those. Though we are so beholden to licensing on that and it's fucking us over left and right. And we had that opportunity and we squandered it. I don't think that's entirely our fault. Um, I remember no, having, it's because we, we don't have money. It's because we don't have money. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> I remember feeling very, very, very strongly about this at the time, which is why I'm so, you know, up about it. But like, and that. If you've ever wondered why, like, why do I have to wait in line to you to, to check out an ebook? That's why. That's why. And yeah. and we do talk a lot about this a lot with um, the episodes we've done on um Oh shit, what's the acronym? CDL? <laughs> IA. Oh yeah, Control Digital Lending. Control Digital Lending, which there's a lot of interesting legal cases about that going on and too. But I feel like if libraries had been able to do that, we might not have actually gotten into this fucked up platform-centric internet that we have now because things like Netflix and Amazon would have to contend with the digital first right of sale instead of just narrowing their catalog. Like the cool thing, and I'm sure like everybody has heard this argument before, but the cool thing about Netflix was that you could just get DVDs without having to figure out like if you're getting it from Blockbuster or wherever, you just get them like sent to your house. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden it's all right back to cable channels where it's, oh, it's, is it on Hulu? Is it on Amazon? Is it on, you know, this or that? And it's just, we're just right back to where we were, which was the opposite of the thing that made Netflix so successful to begin with. Only people are still paying for cable. <laughs> yeah. And it's like anything that is exclusive to Netflix or exclusive to Hulu or exclusive to Prime or exclusive to any streaming service, a library cannot then buy a physical copy and circulate it or even get it on a like none of those streaming platforms have library licenses like a library cannot purchase a subscription to hulu that its patrons can then watch hulu like and so if something is exclusive to any streaming platform that does not then have a library license 
surprise, then a library just like can't get it. And so people who rely on their public or even academic libraries to watch or read or listen to anything, Poof. they just don't get to experience that. Like I don't have Netflix anymore because I wasn't using it because it just all turned into shitty true crime documentaries. But anything that is on Netflix that I really still like, like I, um, I love the assassination of Johnny Versace. That's one of like of recent TV shows. I really like that one. I just can't watch that anymore. I don't think because I think that's just Netflix, right? So I just I can't watch that anymore. Or like lots of other things that are Netflix exclusive. I just can't watch those anymore. I can't get those through a library. I can't interlibrary loan them. Like I can't do anything. I'm kind of just fucked now unless I pirate it. But you know. Go ahead, Justin. You want to say something? So uh, what Frank was saying. Um, the reason the whole everything sounds so strange about how we have like thousands of people creating something and that the reward goes to the producers or only a handful of people who can control it because it's all owned by a corporation. This really goes back to sort of the fiction of the author, which is that there's one person who is the main yes. idea behind any work. So that's why it's really hard to have copyright split over like hundreds of people, even though technically it is all the time. Like you write an academic paper in physics, there's a hundred authors, 500 authors. They all own the copyright together. Uh, and then they usually like transfer it. Actually in physics, they usually retain their copyright. So I mean, like they, now you've got copyright between like a hundred people who can all say like, Hey, don't, don't do that. Like, what do you do? Do you take a vote? I mean, like, it doesn't work because, like, it's not made to be owned by more than, like, one person. It's like, yeah. you know, it's it's yeah. sort of a, it's a patriarchal assumption. It's sort of like everyone yes. in my household is represented by me, the legal person in the house. So all my servants, I mean, this goes back to 1600. So this goes back to a time before, like, servants were no longer part of, like, a person's household. Uh, so a lot of these laws come up before, like, the emancipation of like most people. So it, it really is like, no, everything's going to flow upwards. And so copyright is, is just uh, not very good at, at uh, imagining more than one person creates something, but it is, it is copyright. It's just not very good. It really is. It's just that yet is. one more tool of a <laughs> sort of patriarchal yeah. bullshit. Well, I think that's once again, to, try and uh, summarize and if I'm wrong please feel free to fill in but try to summarize exactly what's been uh, been saying this for the last uh, couple of minutes that capital as a force desperately desires to, to control everything through the concept of access who grants it access and who do I get to grant it to and and yet, well, we see the damages of that directly on of us again culture whatever and so forth all the things you have been mentioning and I think but the problem is like, okay, well, great if you want to believe in legal system, but the legal system specifically zooms in on the fact on what can be sold, because this is where all these problems legally, contextually come from. How do I sell a thing? And this is, once again, uh, why the judges don't understand culture, because they don't necessarily need to, as in that they uh, look at the little piece of like baseline or whatever, like we said earlier. Like, well, that, that baseline has been sold, has been put on a song and has been sold. Therefore, you're wrong and go fuck yourself. And there was this very interesting thing. I don't know if anyone else saw it, but I saw it on social media about someone using machine learning to create every melody, uh, every melody in existence. Oh, and they put my it dad in the public, said that to me. <laughs> they put it in the public domain. And why I, once again, this sounds like a 
a cool haha gotcha but i would argue based on the earlier point that i just made that's not necessarily first off what about all the melodies that are already copyrighted also um things created by an ai uh, cannot be copyrighted precisely so. (laughs) (laughs) so that was really funny like this person was like beating his chest like you i use copyright against like the you know and even if you were to succeed that People can, once again, big institutions like Disney, famously Disney, like we said earlier, can change those laws. And it will always function in a way that, uh, once again, by the experience of physical media and so forth, all these things that we've been mentioning, culminates into the desire for capital to maximize profit and, and doing that through who gets access and who doesn't get access from medicine to whatever. So that's, I don't know. Again, the abolition of private property includes the concept of intellectual property right like uh, copyright like like justin said is like the idea of like the author or the head of household or whatever but it like that's auteur theory too like we wouldn't have auteur theory in like the idea that one person makes a thing like is never true even if you write a book and just you who made the computer that you're typing on? Go ahead, Justin. Who made the food that you ate while you were writing? You know, like, we are all connected together. Every single human being on this planet, every single thing on this planet is, like, connected in the means of production, in our labor, in our creation, in what we do. We're all connected. And so, like, intellectual property cannot exist it's a fiction it is a little lie we tell ourselves that only benefits and serves capital that's all it is it's a lie (laughs) go ahead justin yeah to wrap it back around to the beginning where leon mentioned the origin of patents um the netherlands uh (laughs) again well you would (laughs) um but you know it as denmark it's fine yeah Denmark the um if you want to imagine sort of like a use for these things in like a non-modern world uh or or like a future world uh that doesn't run on like capitalism in particular like you can use things like patents to stabilize markets like that's kind of what they're originally for is like guilds and like stabilizing certain trades and stabilizing certain like creation uh in in certain areas and like don't fish my fish yeah if you think that that that's necessary in a in a in the future then like yeah you can imagine that's how these things work in the future but it's still like you don't need the particular types of intellectual property we have now and you don't really need to like organize it the way we do it now where it's sort of like this property that accumulates to me and then i can somehow hoard it and and sell it in the future yeah Yeah. but even then that's how we the dutch stole the spice trade from the portuguese i don't know how you steal monopoly but apparently they did it already in its earliest conceptualization of monopoly and so forth and so on it was already fucked okay god frank yeah no i um as a like one of the final things i want to add as well which made me understand something i hadn't before but it the pieces fit in finally. You know, we're talking about copyright and how, like, fundamentally, 
this was designed in a way that was, as Justin was saying, it's like it was patriarchal, it was on a single individual, or a stronger representative under this, this view. Um, thus, it makes sense when, when we read a lot of, I'm thinking especially of Benjamin uh, talking about cinema and, and stuff in the 20s and 30s and so on. It's like how cinema and film could be a collective approach, could be a collective engagement, could be a collective creation. Uh, now, in the 21st century, so, so after all this, especially copyright, we see, okay, it's, it's, it's collective, it's creative, but uh, you know, it, it's clear that only a few benefit and it, it feels like, oh, well, you know, it's it's the producers, it's whoever, it's what it, it is them. Uh, but when you when you peel peel away the layers of all this, it's like there was there was possibility, uh, but, uh, distinct but in, in similar analogy to what, what Sadie was saying before. It's like what libraries could have done in terms of this first digital right of sale. It's like cinema could have been a space that could directly oppose this idea of like oh the auteur, the individuals. Like no, it is the collective in every sense and, and, and it could push in that direction but it, things didn't for a, a variety of different reasons but a, a copyright I think is the example I was like we're talking about a system that worked for you know in terms of talking about one individual or a very small group and it was adapted in order to maintain its functioning it, it wasn't uh, adapted to to consider you know oh all the people involved, you know, this creative collection. No, it was forced and changed in a way that was functional and convenient to benefit only a handful, the producers in this case. So all that to say, when we're talking about, like, oh, what, what copyright, and I think it's an important question, how copyright could work for movies, uh, we are, the, the, the direction is wrong because uh, copyright was, copyright forced how we think about movies and how movies create or can be sold and all that so we it is necessary to do this sort of uh, dismantling of the of these separate spheres of like okay but we, we, the the direction is wrong um all that to say and to pull it back it's like this uh, copyright intellectual property is in itself a historical phenomena as jay was saying from the start like it works in a certain way under capitalism and because of a profit incentive to live to exist yep. without it it kind of loses all meaning uh, or the greatest part of its meaning and that's and, and you know within the system we can push for different alternatives as Sadie was saying as well um, as, as, as we have to you know to, to continue on surviving and, and to hopefully establish something beyond this uh, but conceptually as a thing um, no good no good chief no good well I'm going to end it on that note before someone else starts monologuing, including myself. Um, <laughs> thank you so much uh, for coming on. And uh, do you guys want to plug your shows real quick? Fine. Okay. Um, normally we let Justin do this kind of oh, thing. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, but you're not so you can, yeah. So you can find Library Punk um, at our website, librarypunk.gay. Yes, that is the real URL. Um, and wherever fine podcasts are distributed, it should show up on all of the apps, etc. We are on Blue Sky at Library Punk. We're still on Twitter, but we don't really use it that much anymore. Justin shit posts on it sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> fuck Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hostage there at this point. 
uh, we just came out with an episode on um, AI and copyright, which um, is very relevant to the current like writers and actors strikes happening yeah. right now. Um, and so if you are someone who doesn't know a lot about AI and copyright with that, like give it a listen. Um, Justin and I both had to talk about it for work. So it's basically us doing PowerPoint presentations to each other <laughs> that we did for work. Um, and then Sadie sitting there and um, being smarter um, than us, um, <laughs> as always. Um, so yeah, we, we did that. We have a lot of episodes on copyright, actually, um, going back to the beginning of our podcast, but some recent ones, we did one, several on um, the situation with the internet archive being sued. We've we done a couple on those, including we had Kyle Courtney on, who is a copyright librarian, who um, is a huge advocate for fair use. Um, and lawyer. From him. Uh, yes, he is barred with the Supreme Court uh, of the United States. So he knows what he's talking about. Um, um, so we've done some with him. Um, we talked about like the public domain. Uh, and like when like public domain day, we had Nancy Sims on, who is another copyright librarian to talk about that. If people are curious about like the public domain and media and stuff like that. So we talk about copyright on library punk a lot because it is so central to the way that libraries function in this country. So. All right. Once again, thank you so much. And yeah. uh, you'll see some people in here soon, maybe sometime on some other stuff. That's I don't weird. know what you're talking about. A lot more weird. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And please go find Library Punk wherever podcasts are. Yes, from. please do. Take care, thank everyone. you guys so much. Always. Thank you for coming on. Bye. Bye.